I got chapter number one, starting at verse 12. It reads this. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message from the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Amen. And today we're going to continue part number two of our message last week, a zeal to build, a zeal to build. We have been in our series started last week called Blueprint, building according to God's pattern. And you can imagine us as a new church coming up on a year and uh, coming up on a year of Sunday service that we are in a building mode. We're in a building mindset. We are in a building strategy. We're, everything we do is with a building fire because we are building. We are building a ministry. We are, we are getting this off the ground with the help of the Lord and, and with the power of God. So you can imagine that everything that we do is with the mindset of laying foundation, of constructing, of organizing, of patterning, of following structure. That is really the mindset that I really stay in for the most part. But not only that for a church, and that's one of the reasons we're doing this series as a church, but I want to challenge us as well. What is God calling you to build? What is God calling you to build? Are you trying to build a great marriage? Are you trying to build a great business? Are you trying to build great children? Are you trying to build a great career? What is God calling you to build? Are you building great friendships? Are you making great connections in your community, in your school, right? What is God calling you to build? What is it that he's calling you to that is going to take time, that is going to take effort, that is going to take strategy, that is going to take blood, sweat, and tears? What is it? And it should be something for all of us. All of us should be working on something, even if you're building up your body. I know we got some uh, workout warriors in here. Even if you're building up your body, that takes time. That takes effort. That takes dedication. That takes blood, sweat, and tears. That takes getting up early. That takes eating right. Even if you are building your physical health, what is God calling you to build, to construct? And we looked last week in the book of Haggai in the first 11 verses where this people, and you may not have read much of the book of Haggai. Haggai was an Old Testament prophet, and he was prophesying during a time where the Israelite nation were under captivity under the Babylonian and then Persian Empire. And what happened, the Persian king who had them in captivity in that area, he, allowed, he got a word from the Lord and allowed the Israelite people to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple, their place of worship. And what happened, I'll give you a paraphrase for those who, were, who didn't hear that last week. What happened was when the Israelite people got back to Jerusalem and started to rebuild their temple to worship God, they got lazy. And they, 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 they started to kind of, you know, we'll get back with God stuff because the enemies around them started to oppose them rebuilding the temple of God. And it caused them to step back and say, you know what, I'll just focus on my own house instead of building what God has called me to build. I'll focus on my own way. I'll focus on my own thing instead of being about the business that God has called me to. And so we find this later on in verse number 12, 
where it says this. It says that this next word, after they heard this word from Haggai, it says that this next thing says in verse number 12, it says that then Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil and Joshua and the high priest and the whole women of the temple, they obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I love this part here in the end of that verse. It says, and the people feared the Lord. After he came to them, Haggai came to them and challenged them. And he says, why are you so busy working on your own house and you neglected God's house? Why are you so busy working on your own things and you, you working on your own business, but you have neglected the business of the kingdom? After he challenged them and told them to get back to work, the Bible says that the people responded to that word by obeying the voice of the Lord and they feared the Lord. And this is the thing that I thought about is that one thing, if you're going to be a builder, if you're going to be a worker in the kingdom, if you're going to be someone who accomplishes anything great in the Lord, you have to have a restored fear of the Lord. You have to have a restored fear of the Lord, because if you don't have if there is not a fear of God in your heart, if it is not the fear of the Lord in your heart, it won't play out in your actions. If there is not a fear of the Lord in your heart, it won't manifest in your actions. When you forget what God has called you to and decide I'm going to focus on my own thing instead of God's, it shows that I don't fear God in a way that I do not reverence the word that he has given me. I do not reverence the fact that the word he gave me came from a holy God. And when I say fear God, I don't mean be afraid of him. I mean to have a awe of him, a reverence of him, realizing that what he has called you to is a holy thing. What he has called you to is worth your time. What he has called you to is worth your money. What he has called you to is worth your effort. What he has called you to is worth the sacrifice. And sometimes God will call us to do a thing and we will forget who he is. And if we forget who he is, we will easily forget his work. If we forget who he is, we will easily forget his work that he has called us to. And so us having a sustained strength to build really starts with a healthy understanding of the God that called us to build. It has a health. It starts with a healthy understanding of the God who has called us to build, because if I know who he is, then I realize that the word that he spoke is worth the work. The word that he's called me to is worth the build. It is worth the sweat. It is worth the tears. I saw one commentary. It says this. It says that the Israelite people, they had a new awe and reverence for God as they pondered the significance of their past disobedience and self-centeredness and their new sense of obedience to divine priorities. They had a re-understanding of, wait a minute, this is a divine thing that God has called me to do. This is not something I came up with on my own. Even us at this church, I didn't just, we didn't just start a church just to have something to do on Sunday. There's a lot of great, amazing, phenomenal churches in the city of Raleigh that are doing great work. But the, the reason we got up and said, we got to do this. The reason I told my wife, honey, we got to do this. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I, look, I, it, may, it might work, it might not, but I got to do it. Because I realized, wait, this is a divine thing that God has called me into. Because if I'm like, if I just wanted to preach every Sunday, I'll be an itinerant preacher and go preach in California and go preach in New Mexico and then go preach in Texas. If I just needed something to do, I'll preach to my wife uh, coming out the shower. Hey, girl, look, I know you get out, but let me tell you this. <laughs> so I ain't looking for just to preach anywhere. It's just something to do because I can do that anywhere. But when God calls you to a divine thing, I say, wait a minute, did I call myself? Did I call myself to be a pastor? No. It was a divine calling from the Lord and not just me because they just this, we like to make it just about, yeah, pastor, he called you preach, man. I tell you, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, no, no. What are you calling you to do? What is the thing that you can't shake? 
What is the thing that you can't shake? That every time you think about, you know, is that you, Lord? Every time you got a dream, every six months, every is a prophet coming from out of town and tell your mama and told you, uncle and told you, grandma and told you, the people at the job, you know, I don't know, it's something about you. You supposed to be. What is it that God is, is on you about? What is it that you cannot shake? That He's like, I have a divine calling in your life. See, because we like to make it about the pastors and the prophets and the evangelists and say, oh, yeah, y'all do that. Do that ministry thing. But the Bible say everybody go and make disciples. So so my question to you, as we're talking about this, while you're judging me, I want to know what is he calling you to do? What is he pressing on you that you can't resist? And the thing is, and, and sometimes we look at that as a bad thing, but sometimes it's a good thing. What is he pressing on you that every time you think about it, you get ideas about it? You like, oh, every time you see a need, you think of 10 ways to meet it. Every time you see a lack in your community, you think of 47 ways that a program could work to, to eradicate all of that. Every time you see a problem in the ministry, every time you see a cord out of order, you think of ways to organize it. What is God pressing on you that every time you wake up and think of it, you say, I got to do this. I, because... <laughs> The thing about God, man, when he calls you into a thing, he is so relentless about it. He's relentless when he calls you into it. So, 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 so whether you answer the call now or you answer it in 10 years, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's going to stay on you. The Holy Spirit is going to keep leaning on you. God is going to keep working on you. He's going to keep, Pastor Gore, going to keep preaching about it until you give in to his call to build what he is calling you to build. And we have to be kingdom builders with the fear of the Lord. Because check this out. Check this out. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you will easily stray from building your own kingdom. Easily stray from building God's kingdom to your own kingdom. If there is not a fear of the Lord, it is easy to stray from building God's kingdom to building my own. I was talking to my wife the other day about this and I, I was talking about my schedule. I was like, man, I had a busy week, this and that. And I, I, I told her, I said, it seems like my schedule is, is like a wild animal that if I don't keep it tamed, if I don't, if I don't keep it in check, if I don't, if I don't keep eyes on it, it's like a wild dog, it'll end up and I got 47 things on my calendar and I found out why, why I got all this stuff going on. I said, I have to stay on it. It's like a wild dog. Oh, it'll just get out of here. I'm here. I'm doing a meeting here. I said, I said but, but I said that to say, it's just like that in the spirit. Because, because your flesh, <laughs> this is why the Bible says your flesh has to be crucified daily. Because they said that thing, that thing will jump up on you if you are not careful to crucify it daily. If I am not careful to keep eyes on Christ daily, he says that your own way, your own mindset and your own flesh will get in the way of what I've called you to build. And so the first thing that they had to restore is the restore of the fear of the Lord. They had to restore the fear of the Lord. And then go down to verse number 14. It says this. Not only did they have to restore the fear of the Lord, but they had they had to refuel to finish the work. Remember, I told you that they started to build that temple. They started to work on it. They started to do the business. They started to answer God's call, but then got distracted by the enemies around them. But God comes back to him. He says, let me now refuel you to finish the work that I've called you to go down to verse number 14. It says this. It says, so the Lord. I love this. It says, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord. The Bible, I love this because the Bible says that they stirred up the spirit. And I love this too. And thank you, uh, worship team, for singing that song, Holy Spirit, fill us. 
fill us up today. I, they was, see, they didn't even know what I was talking about. They were all in my message. Because I begin to think about that, that God, the, when, they, when they stop working on it, God says, in order for you to finish this thing, you got to be full of me. I have, to, I have to fill up something in your spirit in order to accomplish this. Because remember, the Bible all says in the next book, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, it says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And this is the funny thing. You may not have known that about that verse. That verse, he's speaking in, in Zechariah chapter four. He's speaking to the same Zerubbabel in Haggai chapter one. He's telling them, y'all got to read your Bible. He's telling them, you're not going to finish this temple by your strength. That is the context of that verse that we've, I've heard quoted my entire life. He's telling them the temple won't be built by power or by strength or by force. It'll be done by my spirit. And so when you read your Bible, you'll see, oh, that makes more sense now why he told them it won't be done by your own strength. Because he's telling Zerubbabel, he said, and Zerubbabel was the governor of the people at the time. He's telling them, you can't do this by yourself. You can't get this done by yourself. Doing it by yourself is how you got distracted the first time. Doing it your, doing it your way is how you fell off the wagon the first time. He says, in order to, he said, when you come around the second time, he says, it has to be done by my spirit on the inside of you. And so God says, let me refuel your spirit. Let me spark something on the inside of you. And I love that passage there. That word there, you read some translations. It says that he stirred, he, he, he sparked the enthusiasm of the people. And that word there, enthusiasm or stirred, this passage is written in the language of Hebrew. When I looked that up, that word there, it could mean to awaken. So to stir, to spark, to awaken. It means to start to move. It means to arouse. It means to agitate or to disturb. That word there in the Hebrew could mean all of these different things. And I begin to think about that because we focus on the, you know, he stirred it up. Oh, praise God, I'm stirred. But when I saw that, those last couple, to agitate or disturb, I said, oh, wait a minute. Now, God, I don't want to be agitated or disturbed. <laughs> and I began to think about that. Is that sometimes when God is calling you to a thing, sometimes it's a good feeling like, oh, I just feel the love of God. I got to do this. But sometimes it's a, this gets on my everlasting nerves. This is plucking my nerves. I got I to gotta do something about this because this is disturbing me. If, it's bothering me to the point that if I don't move, it's going to drive me crazy. If I don't obey, this going to I'm going to end up in a, if I don't because sometimes, see, sometimes God has a way of agitating you. To where and this is for some of us, some of you who are, are prophetic especially, you may see something that disturbs you so bad. You, it's it's just bothering me so bad that I, I I have to do something about this. And I wonder what is God disturbing in you? What is what are you seeing around you that is that is frustrating you so bad? Maybe it's frustrating you so bad because you need to do something about it. Maybe you're waiting on your mother to do something about it and it's frustrating you. Maybe you're waiting on your husband to do something about it, but it's frustrating you. Maybe you're waiting on the kids to, to call you, but it's frustrating you. Maybe you're waiting on your coworker to talk to the boss, but it's frustrating you. It's disturbing you. It is agitating something on the inside of you. Could it be that God is calling you into a thing by agitation? But now I can't even sleep at night until I do this. I, and I've had this happen to me. You ever, Lord Jesus, you ever, you ever had, uh, uh, you know, you ever done something wrong and you need to apologize to somebody, but you're like, I don't want to apologize. I don't want to say nothing. They were wrong. And God is, Holy Spirit is on you like, no, you need to call them right now. Apologize. You were wrong. You know you're wrong. I've had that happen to me. And sometimes it'll go for three, four days. And I'm like, I'm not calling. I'm not saying nothing. I'm not calling. I, I wasn't wrong. I was right the whole time. I told, I told them if they say something to me, I'm going to have to do something to them. 
And one thing about me, Holy Spirit don't let me talk to people crazy. If I, Lord, this happened a few weeks ago. We were at church. We were here praying. It was about to pray. And I was frustrated. I wasn't frustrated at anyone. I was mad at myself because I was just hot and I was mad at myself. And, and it was a couple people back here talking. And I said, and we were praying. I was like, yo, we trying to pray. <laughs> now the oxymoron of that, we trying to pray, but you hollering at people. Now what a spirit in that. And I walked in and Mr. Hart was back there and I walked out to the back. I said, Mr. Hart, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to say that to you, sir. I immediately, right? Cause I, cause, and once I said, I knew, I said, now you know you're going to apologize for that. You is not going to be here talking to people crazy. Now that's a funny example because I'm sitting at church and, they, and some of y'all, some of the people are here and I humbly apologize. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry, y'all. I'm not mad at nobody. I was just mad at myself because I was doing too many things and I got hot and I was just frustrated. But have you ever had that happen when you said something to somebody crazy and, and Holy Spirit be like, he let you calm down first and he'd be like, you know you was wrong. Call him. Text him. No, don't even text him because you're trying to cop out. You don't want to talk. Let me just tell I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Call him. Uh-uh, you're trying to text people. Sorry, they don't want to hear that text. You didn't text them when you cussed. You, you said that over the phone. <laughs> Call them back. Hello, how we get way over? What time? How we get way over there? But, so, but I said all that to say that sometimes Holy Spirit has a way of leaning on you, and he won't let you up until you do what he, he'll disturb you. I can't even sleep, Lord, until I, until I can't even, I can't even, I can't even, I'm trying to watch the game, and I can't even focus on, because God is agitating something in me. So I want to ask you, what is God stirring up in you? What is God agitating in you? What is he stirring you to get involved in? What is he turning you to lay your hands on? Because the God stirring in you is his way of refueling you for the work. It's refueling you. And sometimes it doesn't seem comfortable, but it's a refueling for the work to build. He is stirring in us a zeal to build. And I want you to notice something here. Is that notice the order of the stirring. When you look at verse number 14, it says, it says that God first, he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel. I told you earlier, Zerubbabel was the governor. He was the leader of the people that were there over that project. And then the Bible says he stirred up Joshua, who was the high priest. And then he stirred up the remnant of the people. And I thought, you know, as a leader, I can't, I love talking to leaders. I know we got some leaders in here. I love talking to leaders because it started first with the leader. He said, he said, there's no way that we can accomplish this work if the leaders are not enthusiastic about it. There's no way we can accomplish the work if those at the forefront are not enthusiastic. If those at the forefront don't have a sense of urgency, if those, if the pastor and his wife and the leaders, if the, if the worship, if they don't have an enthusiasm to get it done, there's no way the work will be done. Now that applies to church, but that at your job, in your house, in your, if you're the leader of your house, but you're not enthusiastic about cleaning up and folding the clothes and doing the dishes and organizing your thing, what is it, God, what is it that you are leading? That you are not stirred up about. I'm going to say that again. What are you leading that you are not stirred up about? Because could the work be stalled because the leaders are not stirred? Could the, y'all better write that. Could the work be stalled? I like, y'all like the S. Could the work be stalled because the leaders are not stirred? Could the work be stalled because the leaders do not have a fire on the inside of them to accomplish? So I challenge myself as a leader. I say, Corey, are you stirred? And not just stirred in your flesh, not just stirred in your mind, not just stirred in your own work, but are you stirred in your spirit? Are you stirred to accomplish the work? Are you stirred to build? Are you are you aroused up to sacrifice for what God has called you to build? Because it starts 
with the leaders. And then he says this. He says he sparked, he stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the high priest. Remember, the high priest represents the place of worship, the intercessors, the prayer warriors, the prophets to speak his word. He says, he says, in the places of worship, are you stirred? Are you stirred to pray? Are you stirred to get in your word? Are you stirred to spend time in the presence of the Lord? Are you stirred to not just work in your own flesh, but to work according to the spirits working? Are the worshipers in the house stirred? And I said, it's good for the leaders. But he said, the worshipers got to be stirred because, as I said earlier, there has to be a sound that accompanies the feeling. Remember in Acts 2, he says before they were filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a sound first that accompanied the house. That was a sound first that accompanied the spirit coming. He says the worshipers and the prayer wars, the intercessors got to be stirred. Because as I said earlier, it's not going to be by might or power. It's not just going to be by a nice strategy. We, we have a nice, we have a lot of churches that are, that are being built by, by man's strategy. But are we being built by the spirit's move? Are we being built by the spirit's power? And I don't want us as a rock church to have a nice strategy. And that's a nice outreach. And those are great flyers, man. You good on social media and all that. But is this move by the spirit in y'all? Oh, is this just doing something because it's church and it's this in the South? You know, we in the Bible Belt. This is what we do. We come to church. But we have to be building according to a spirit-empowered movement. And that starts in the place of worship. That starts in the place of prayer. And this is the next thing here. Is that it says, lastly, he stirred the remnant of the people. That it was not just the leaders, the ministers, the pastors, the apostles, those on staff. He said it stirred every single person in the assembly every second I want and, I, and maybe you were trying to get off the hook but I want to let you know that if you in this room today if you are part of this rock church those watching online later on if you are part of this you you need to be stirred from the front to the back it, it says that every single person caught the vision every single person caught the mission every single person caught the strategy and every single person got a hold of what God was calling them to do as a part of the build and it's so important that it's not just the leaders, that it's not just Coriona, it's not just, it's not just Mr. Art, it's not just the worship team, but that it's every single person stirred in this spirit. And this is the last thing here. We're going to wrap this up. I love that word there in verse number 14. It says that he sparked the enthusiasm. He stirred up the spirit of the remnant of God's people. You may not have heard that word before. But that word remnant, it basically just means a small few, not the majority, not everybody, not the crowd, but just the, just the, just a select few that were there to build. It was a remnant that was stirred up. And, and, and I want to say this specifically to us, to the Rock Church family, that we may we don't think for one second that it takes a, a thousand people to accomplish what God has called us to do. Maybe it takes the 15 that are in this room. Maybe it just takes 10. It, 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 because the thing about a remnant is this. When you have a remnant who is committed, when you have a remnant who are sold out, when you have a remnant who are all in, you can accomplish more than the majority that's, that's half doing it. Think about this in the book of Judges with Gideon. Gideon was called to fight and he gathered this army. He gathered all these people, all these folks. And God said, most of them scared. Tell them, go home. And he sent all these people home. He was left with just a few. And then they, they went to the river. And he said, only those that drink from the river a certain way. And, he, and he, he collected those. And he was left with just 300. After having thousands, 
Most of those thousands were afraid to fight. Most of those thousands were afraid to get their hands dirty. Most of those thousands were afraid to sacrifice. They were afraid to do the work. But the Bible says that Gideon had just, just a remnant, a few who believed, a few who were committed, a few who were sold out, a few who were ready to do what it takes in order to advance the kingdom. And so I challenge us today as a remnant of people today, as a remnant that maybe this is all it takes. It's just a few who say, Pastor, I'm all in. I'm ready to do this thing. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm not asking you to do nothing crazy. I'm not talking, you know, foolishness. This is not, you know. But I am saying a commitment. I'm saying, I'll be here early. I can stay late too. I can do this. I can, I can serve here. I can go there. And I want to say this too because it's not, it's a, this is about church, but it's not just about church. Maybe in your life you've been waiting on a team of people to do this and waiting on everybody to agree with what God has called you to do. God said, I don't need everybody to agree. I just need you to agree. Because I can use just a small amount. So maybe you think you need three or four more people. Maybe you think you need everybody else on you. All your family got to understand. Guys, they don't have to understand. Did I call you and your husband to do it? Go for it. Because I will use a remnant. Just a small amount. But a small amount that is full of faith. Oh, that's a big amount. A small amount that is full of faith is a big amount. A small amount of people who just say we believe God can accomplish so much. I want to tell you this. It was so funny. Miss Trudy's over there, I think, with the kids. But she came in. Kimberly was in with us. She came in and she said, she said, man, this morning I was, I think she said, riding in the car. I woke up and I heard this song, this Cinderella song, Impossible. Y'all remember that, right, from the Cinderella thing? And she said, I begin to feel like God was trying to tell me, man, nothing is impossible. You can do it. We can do this thing. I begin to feel that in my heart, right? And I was standing. Kimberly's my witness. I was standing right here and this happened to me this morning. I got up I got in the U-Haul to drive the truck down here, and I got to the light by my house. And this song, I haven't heard this song. I used to sing it all the time at another church I was at. This song called Nothing Is Impossible by Planet Shakers. And I pulled my phone up, and I said, I got to look. Do I even have this song on my phone? And I wanted to hear it. I said, man, I want to hear this song. I pulled this song up, and on the way to church this morning, I was listening to this song that says, Through you, I can do anything because nothing is impossible. And I said, Miss Trudy, I've God's probably, I ain't heard that song in years. I said, God dropped that same thing on me as I was riding the church today, that nothing is impossible. And when she said that, I said, okay, we full of the Holy Ghost around here. And I said, God, that's for us. Because I believe, and as I'm preaching this, I believe we're in a moment where it's going to take all of us believing nothing is impossible. We're looking for a new building right now, a permanent meeting space. And I believe it's going to take all of us believing nothing is impossible right now. We, we're laying a foundation of a work and we're getting off the ground, but it's going to take a few of us that believe that nothing is impossible with the Lord. And I want to challenge you with that today. As Miss Trudy's in the spirit, I'm saying nothing is impossible. I want you to get that in your heart this morning. That I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking something to us right now. That Corey, what you're trying to do, nothing is impossible when you believe me. Amen? Amen. 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 I pray you all receive that word this morning. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes.